Welcome to Establish the Edge. I am very excited for today's episode. Going to be talking about the late round quarterback strategy and who better to talk about that strategy with than Mr. At Late Round QB himself, JJ Zachariason. JJ, excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's always good to uh, to talk some football with you, you know, and not just talking about other stuff like golf and all the things that, <laughs> that we talk about through text and whatnot. Yes. And you can follow JJ at Late Round QB on Twitter, appropriately named. And he just had an article about the late round quarterback strategy on numberfire.com. Fantasy football is the late round quarterback strategy. Dad, I just wrote an article on Establish the Run called Late Round QB is Back. So, uh, you know, we went with the the clickbaity titles a little <laughs> bit, but the, the actual gist of the articles are somewhat similar and a bit more nuanced than those titles might uh, lead you to believe. And it's funny, this is something Pat Crane and I on Establish the Edge, we actually talked about this back in like, I think around January sometime where my head was spinning. I'm like, from DFS, I knew we saw a huge change in the quarterback position where for years in DFS, you could play matchups and just take a cheaper quarterback and you maybe wouldn't get a huge ceiling, but you'd be close enough to the top guys. And then we reached a point where you kind of had to pay up for quarterback because the ceiling started to get higher and more predictable on the top guys. And also the group of those guys grew. So it wasn't like mm -hmm. you had to just beat Mahomes. Now it's like, one of Mahomes, Allen, Kyler, Dak is going to have an you know absurd week and score 35 DraftKings points. So it's a little bit hard to take your 18 to 20 points from a 5K quarterback and run with it. So we were like, what's going to happen in redraft next year? You know, are all these guys going to get pushed up? Is they round quarterback dead? So we had talked about that a little bit last year. And I'm jumping the gun a little bit because before we talk about that impact of 2020 and how it's going to affect the 2021 draft strategy. I think it makes sense to just recap you know, what is late round quarterback and why don't you give a little bit of a history as the guy who popularized late round quarterback got how many years ago was it now? Yeah, it was uh, nine years ago, I think at this point. So back in the 2011 season, we saw a pretty big uh, boost in quarterback numbers. Uh, at least we saw some guys really separate themselves similar to what we saw this past year. And I will say it just so happened to be like, that was a lockout season or a near lockout season. And they didn't have the preseason happening. And, uh, you know, similar, there, there were similarities between what happened that year and what happened this past year with the pandemic. Uh, but regardless, after that season, if you look at ADP of quarterbacks, uh, we saw five quarterbacks in redraft leagues being drafted in the first round and a half. Uh, and that was the year after like, you know, Matthew Stafford had a huge season. Cam Newton was a rookie. He had a big season. Um, and so uh, we, we see this shift. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, I was looking at things and I was like, wait a second, the quarterback position. And the reason that I've historically at that time and still do draft quarterbacks late is because of things that don't really change in fantasy football. One of the main ones being supply and demand, where you're only starting one quarterback on your team each week and on teams throughout your league each week. So the demand for that position is not very high. If you've ever wondered why there are so many quarterbacks available late in your drafts, it's because of that. It's because of the fact that people don't need that position. So they're not just gobbling up four quarterbacks, you know, in the first four rounds of drafts, like you see some people do with running backs and wide receivers. So um, that's the main reason why, you know, there's not that much change uh, with the strategy year over year, why we hadn't seen it. And then 
you know, the 2012 ha- or the 2012 uh, season happens. And we see an influx of, of good rookie quarterbacks. That was the year that Russell Wilson was a rookie. Andrew Luck was a rookie. RG3. Um, and so you had these late round quarterbacks that hit. And so people were like, oh man, the late round quarterback strategy really, really works. But you know, there's some luck involved there that that just happened to be the, the season that those guys entered the league. But the other side of this is the predictability side of it. Uh, you mentioned the DFS component, which I think uh, there's some, some parallel here. Uh, you know, historically what we've seen is that we've been very bad at predicting which quarterbacks from a season long perspective are going to be good in fantasy. Um, and so I'm not talking on a week to week perspective. If you build projections, you definitely know that predicting quarterback output is a lot easier than predicting, you know, or predicting low end quarterback output. I should say, you know, like the QB 22 in a given week, it's a lot easier to do than predicting a low-end wide receiver like five or something like that because there's a lot more variance involved with the latter. There's not as much variance involved with quarterback predictions because they're touching the ball so many times in a given game, and so we can be a little bit more accurate with that. But when you're looking at it from a season-long perspective, uh, you know you look at preseason expectation versus postseason result, we've been very bad at predicting which quarterbacks are going to be good historically. Um, and so if you look at that compared to other positions – uh, the R squared between preseason expectation versus postseason result has been weaker at the quarterback position than other positions. There was one season, Leone, in 2017, I think it was, where the R squared between uh, top 24 quarterbacks and where they were being drafted and how they ended up was zero. It was literally zero, which is telling us that that you could have just thrown a dart at one of these top 24 quarterbacks and you would be expected that he, he had just as good a chance to be the QB1 as the QB one did entering that season, just because there was such a lack of predictability. Um, And so that's really where the late round quarterback, uh, the strategy was born is that, uh, you know, it's a market driven strategy. I think that's something that's very, very important. It's one where, you know, if, if everyone is drafting quarterbacks early, you know, you can make the case that you should be drafting them late, but there's some break even point, but it's just the fact Mm -hmm. that, that you can get these usable quarterbacks late um, and that you're only starting one of them. And then historically the predictability aspect uh, has not been very strong. So you can stream, you know, you can do these things on a week to week basis instead of investing in the position during your draft. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I'm looking at the R squared chart by year in your article. And that is absolutely wild that we got a zero. And in 2015 and 2019, we got a 0.01. So yeah. that's interesting. I just talked about how it seemed more predictable last year. It's, you know, we have to be aware of if we're falling into you know, pitfall because the R squared last year was a little bit higher than we usually see. It was 0.24, mm-hmm. which was highest since 2013. But we've seen, you know, in 2014, it was 0.18. And then the next year was 2015 when it was zero and, and it jumps around. So just because it was predictable, quote unquote, last year, you know, does that mean it's going to be predictable again next year? I do think there are some things in the NFL that are changing that lean towards yes it is going to remain a bit more predictable the big two things for me we've seen an increase in pass rate aggressiveness from teams you know they're not as game script dependent as they've been in the past teams like you know buffalo kansas city of course outliers with allen and mahomes being the top two quarterbacks in fantasy but you know they're teams with very high pass rates over expectation they're going to throw the ball frequently kind of regardless of game script whereas you know, there were some years with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay where like they might not throw a whole bunch, but you know, yeah. based on the game. Even last year, Rodgers got their like on an insane amount of efficiency. You know, they didn't throw a ton because of the game script. And the other thing is we're we're seeing more quarterbacks run more 
And that's something you looked at in your article. Uh, you looked at the passing regression is pretty real, you know, year over year, but we do see a bit more predictability year over year in the rushing yard component of things for guys and more and more guys have that as a facet of their game than ever before. Yeah. So if you, if you look back in those years, you know, the ones you referenced with like very little correlation, I mean, really any year between like that, that 2013 timeframe to basically last year, um, uh, before last year. But if you look at, at, you know, how these mega seasons and these actual league winning seasons happen for quarterbacks, it typically happened because the quarterback had some sort of outlier season in terms of touchdown rate. So touchdown rate just being number of touchdowns thrown divided by the number of, of, of attempts that they had. Um, and so you can go back to like Matt Ryan's MVP season, you know, even Cam Newton's MVP season. Yes. He had the rushing component on his side, but he also had by far the best touchdown rate of his career. Um, and so there are things that, that uh, we look at whenever we're, you know, if, if you were to separate a quarterback in the way that, that he scores points into passing and rushing, that passing component has a lot of fluctuation year over year. And so if you're and, and by the, I have the numbers here too, the, if you look at touchdown rate year over year for quarterbacks that had 300 or more pass attempts in consecutive seasons, uh, the, the, the R squared value is only 0.04. I mean, it's, it's seriously insignificant and you, you can look at a chart and see that there's just insane regression that occurs both, uh, in, in both directions with touchdown rate. But if you look at rushing yards per game, as just a random rushing metric. If you look at rushing yards per game at the quarterback position, the year over year correlation is 0.72 among those same quarterbacks. So essentially what we're saying is, and what we're seeing is, is that rushing is a lot stickier year over year. And because we now have more rushing quarterbacks, uh, it's easier to then predict which quarterbacks are going to be good year over year, where historically that hasn't really been the case because we're really, you know, generally speaking, the way that ADP works is you're going to look at the previous season's finish and you'll generally see some correlation between that finish and where the ADP is the following year. But if there's a lot of fluctuation with how quarterbacks historically have been scoring points, then when you translate that finish to ADP the following year, there's not going to be that much stickiness, right? It's not going to be very predictable. But now, because of that rushing component, it can be pretty predictable. And I think that's what's really shifting within the fantasy football space right now at the quarterback position. Yeah, we look at the top you know, nine quarterbacks. I'm looking at our rankings for FFPC season long. Mahomes and Allen up there again. Mahomes, just elite efficiency always. Like Even if the pass TD rate fluctuates, again, they're just going to throw so much and score mm -hmm. so many points. It doesn't matter much. Josh Allen, Kyler, Dak, Lamar, you know, these guys all have some combination of a rushing component or they're going to throw a bunch in, in some cases, both, you know, with Kyler and Allen and even Dak. And then Lamar is just an outlier in terms of rushing. Herbert's a little bit fringy where I, I could see regression hitting him in a bigger way where he might not have the yeah. huge pass rate over expectation. He might not have the huge rushing component. But then you get Russell Wilson, who's just one of the most efficient passers of all time. Then Jalen Hurts as the ninth QB who we saw insane rushing upside from. So now you've got a, you know, a pretty big cluster of guys where you can see where their ceiling you know, starts to separate from that QB 15-ish range. You know, guys like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, you can't really get there playing matchups with those guys mm -hmm. like you could in the past. So I'm curious what you think about late-round quarterback heading into this year and – for me, there's a differentiation between 
you know, the late round quarterback strategy maybe we should be using and the one that we've used in the past, which has relied a lot around streaming. Yeah. So there's a lot to this. I think um, the, with regards to what the late round quarterback is and the strategy is the way I've always approached it is that you should be looking for that guy who can break the season, right? The guy that you can plug and play. Don't have to worry about streaming all of that. It's just that historically streaming has been a good backbone. And if that streaming element isn't really as good of a backbone anymore, then that means the late round quarterback that you're choosing becomes a little bit more important, right? Um, and so I, I would agree that that now that we have this rushing and a larger group of court, the, the DFS example is such a good example, I think, just because uh, it, that that's the, the weekly game that we're playing and the fact that we all gravitated towards these guys that were higher priced, but we knew were giving us that high ceiling. That just goes to show that it's going to be very difficult, at least in the short term, to find lower end quarterbacks and on a weekly basis to give you that kind of production. The one thing I'll say, there are two things I'll say to this. One thing is that the 2020 season in general had some pretty bonkers numbers. Had the, the offensive offensive ability across the league was absolutely insane. And so I think that you could make an argument that there's going to be some regression uh, across the league just in terms of like total touchdowns scored and the efficiency of offenses from 2020 to 2021. Now, you know, if you look at the reasons why the numbers were the way they were last year, I think that you could say there's more play action. That's going to probably be sticky because that's not going to go away. Again, more aggressiveness in play calling. Um, and so, if the, you know, if teams are passing the ball more, they're going to be more efficient and that's going to create more uh, total total points and yards. And then uh, the other thing too is there was a lot fewer offensive holding calls last year, uh, which, you know, obviously allows drives to continue um, and, and allows more points to be scored. The one thing I would say, though, that wouldn't be sticky is that what's the one thing that happened last year that didn't happen other years? And it's the pandemic, right? It was this it was this pandemic filled season where teams, you know, the way that I view it, you know, if you look at the early early in the season, especially before sports books started to adjusting, started adjusting for what this season was, there were an insane amount of overs that were being hit. And the same exact thing happened in 2012 after that near lockout season. Uh, maybe it was 2011. Uh, but regardless, we saw a lot of overs hit because a lot of people think when there's not a lot of practice and when you don't get a lot of reps, that offenses are the ones who are hurt by that. But offenses are the ones who know what's coming. They're the ones who are calling the plays. Defenses are the ones uh, you know, who, who don't have that cohesive unit together because they're not getting those reps. And then on top of that, with the pandemic season, you don't have any crowd noise. And so you know, we saw home field advantage take a little bit, a little bit of a dip last year. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that opposing quarterbacks could dictate more at the line of scrimmage. And when you get that, you're just going to naturally get higher scoring games, right? And so I think that you could make the argument that if there is regression that hits, I'm not saying that the high-end quarterbacks that we're talking about no longer give you an edge. I'm saying that the amount of points being scored in total shrinks a little bit. And if that's the case, then we see a little bit less of an edge happening because the overall scoring is just lower. You know, I, I would say that the baseline of what we would see from a from a streaming quarterback probably remains fairly stagnant um right. only because you know you there's still a lot of quarterbacks out there to choose from so if that baseline is staying stagnant but those high end quarterbacks just naturally aren't able to score as many points then the advantage may not be as significant as what we saw last year i don't want that to seem like i'm absolutely going late round quarterback cuz that's not the case i'm just saying that i don't think we should make 2020 the absolute expectation i think that there's a little bit of a room for nuance there, and, and there's a little bit of room to say, hey, look, yeah, I mean, they're still going to give us an edge, but let's not assume that Josh Allen is going to be 
eight points per game better, you know, than than what a typical streaming quarterback would be or someone that you would get off the waiver wire. I think that that we might see that shrink a little bit just because of what we saw in 2020. Yeah. And going back to the DFS example, that's like, you know, the 5K quarterback in good matchup is still scoring like around 20 points. That's not changing, but maybe instead of the 35 point outings, again, I, I kind of noted like the 25 point outings jump to 35 point outings. If those yeah. come back down, maybe they don't come back down to 25, but they come back down to the mid to high twenties and it's, it's the, the math changes. It's more of a conversation at right. that point. And I'm with you in terms of 2020 being a bit of a unicorn season. I hadn't thought of it through the lens that you noted, which was just the macro scoring environments. There's some good reasons why those might regress. For me, what I was looking at was, I think just the way the player pool evolved that we caught 2020 just at a certain point in time where we were had these quarterbacks that were drafted early and it came to fruition. I think, you know, TJ Hernandez had some good numbers on it where I think it was like eight of the top 12 quarterbacks by ADP finished inside the top 12, which was the highest number we've had. And I think part of that, just like the way the numbers worked out last year, it was just like, there were 10 of these guys, you know, and eight of them worked out. And that, and I think that player pool is expanding. We've seen in 2018, what we got Kyler in 2018, we got, I'm blanking a little bit here. Lamar. We got Lamar or, or 2018 was, was, was Josh Lamar. Allen. Yeah. yeah. Lam- Lamar, we got Josh yeah, Allen. Yeah. We got Lamar 2019. We got Kyler, you know, 2020, we got Herbert. We got Jalen Hurts. Burrow, Jalen Hurts, 2021 coming in. We've got Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, as guys that have upside. So, and, and I think too, as we get kind of the old school coaches continuing filtered out a little bit, we're going to see more teams that, you know, embrace the Russian quarterback, embrace pass rates over expectation. So I think that that player pool could expand. And this is something we both touched on in our articles. And it was just kind of like, does it happen this year or not? And so that's interesting. I'm curious, one of your thoughts on that. And two, the thoughts on, and this is something else you point out in your article, but the opportunity cost is a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm. last year was like, do we draft Lamar Jackson in the second or third round? Like, I think it's pretty clear we don't want to be drafting Mahomes in the third round or even Josh Allen in the fourth round again this year. At least to me, that's pretty clear. Where it's less clear is, you know, I'm at the five, six turn. Do I take Dak, Kyler, Lamar there? Yeah. yeah. You know, at this point, you know, the, the cost is, is reduced from what it's been in past seasons to potentially get this elite quarterback. These second tier elites were very profitable last year. Are they going to be very profitable again this year? Yeah. So let's touch on the opportunity cost thing first, because, you know, when I wrote the ebook back in 2012, uh, (laughs) the QB 12 was being drafted on average in round eight. And, and back then I was like, yeah, this is fine. Go ahead and get the QB 12 in your league. Uh, and round eight, because the opportunity cost isn't very high. So if I thought that way back then, I still should feel similarly now. Uh, and I do, you know, but when you when you look at expectation for every position base, I and mean, really what we're talking about here is opportunity cost of not getting a running back or a wide receiver, generally speaking, right? Like that that's what opportunity cost comes down to in fantasy football. When you're taking a quarterback in round five or six, yes, there's tight ends there. I totally get it. But I'm just talking in terms of, you know, the majority of people, they're still drafting running backs and wide receivers in that range. And if you look at a curve and a trend line of uh, of where uh, significant drop-offs tend to occur 
in terms of expectations. So you want steep lines in that trend line, right? If you're looking at ADP expectation versus postseason result, because that's when you know that with each pick, there's a massive opportunity cost involved in not getting a running back or a wide receiver. If you look at round five to six, that's where things start to flatten a little bit where, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, I don't want to do this with my seventh round pick, what, but I'll do that exact same thing with my 10th round pick. It's like, guys, there's not a huge difference between a seventh round pick and a 10th round pick realistically in terms of like hit rate, right? So from that standpoint, you know, this is not the same as what we saw in 2012 when we had five quarterbacks being, you know, as a reaction to the previous season where we had five quarterbacks being drafted in the first round and a half of fantasy leagues, right? We're, we're, we're still now seeing this healthy group of quarterbacks that have insanely high QB one upside being drafted in a pretty reasonable spot, uh, given what the opportunity cost really looks like in that area of the draft. And then you add on the top, uh, on top of that, the, the stuff that we talked about with predictability, we know that these rushing quarterbacks, which the market accounted for last year, you know, last year it was somewhat predictable that this was going to happen because last year, the first time in forever, uh, we had a market, a quarterback market that looked efficient because people were finally valuing rushing the way they should value rushing. And it's no different this year, right? We have the ADPs of these guys. I mean, you mentioned Justin Herbert, like a guy like Justin Herbert, someone like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, these guys who are still like in the middle to, you know, middle late rounds. Uh, those are guys that you just fade. Like you don't need to, I mean, sure. If you're, if you're playing a, a huge volume, you want to get some pieces of them, but generally speaking, you know, if you're playing in one or two leagues or something like that, you just want to fade those guys because you need an outlier season to happen for those guys to truly hit. Uh, whereas these rushing uh, quarterbacks, it's just not the case. And we're seeing that that predictability uh, occur. So from an opportunity cost standpoint, I would say absolutely it's not that bad, right? It's not nearly as bad as it was. To your point too, you know, getting Mahomes or Lamar in the third round or Josh Allen in the third round, that's a little bit different than getting a Lamar or a Dak in the fifth or sixth round. Um, and so, you know, my, my go-to is typically to just get guys in that tier, the, the latter tier, because they still have that QB one upside and you're still getting that plug and play guy. Now, in terms of, of what we're seeing uh, with the league and, and whether or not this is going to be a consistent theme for years to come, you know, if you think about this intuitively, every league that you're playing in, let's say has 12 teams in that league, generally speaking, that's like the average 10 or 12 teams. Eventually, we're going to get to the point, just given the way that, that the, the league is shifting and how we view the college game and how college tendencies are, are, are in the NFL now, uh, eventually we're going to get to a point where we have a lot of, uh, an excess of quarterbacks who can run the ball really well and throw the ball really well. And, you know, I don't think that we can sit here and assume that all three of the guys that you mentioned who have rushing ability with Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields, that they all hit. I don't think that's fair to, to, to come to that conclusion. But I think that it's reasonable to think that like one to two of them will hit. Um, and if one to two of them hit, then all of a sudden we're going from a quarterback pool of, you know, let's say eight guys who we feel confident in could be the QB one in fantasy to then 10 this season. Right. And if that's the case, then if you're in a 10 team league, what's the point in reaching for a guy as long as the rest of your league mates are only going to take one quarterback and be reasonable about it? What, what's the point in reaching for a guy um, when when you know that you can wait and still get a very reasonable player? I don't think that's going to happen this season per se, um, because that would, you know, a lot of these guys would have to hit and then we'd have to see some of these other players, uh, maybe see a boost in, in how they're running the football. Um, and there's just a lot that needs to go right. I think for that to happen. Um, but I do think it's a possibility. And I think that if you miss out then 
on that tier of Dak and Lamar and all that, if you do miss out on those players, um, it's still okay. You know, I still think the late round quarterback vi- uh, strategy can be viable in some way if you're approaching it from the standpoint of getting these mobile quarterbacks uh, who have that that crazy rushing upside and can be a QB one uh, fairly easily, like a Trey Lance or Justin Fields. So, yeah, that's that's generally how I'm I'm viewing things. Uh, you know, from 2020 to 2021. Yeah, and the other dynamic too is just how you're constructing your roster. You know, it varies if you're playing in a home league where you might only have five or six roster spots on the bench versus a you know NFFC or FFPC league where you've got 10 bench spots. One of the edges to taking those second tier elite quarterbacks, the Dak, Kyler's of the world, you're only drafting one quarterback, right? I mean, you don't have to draft a second quarterback. You can take a guy to fill in your bye week off waivers later on. But as we get more of those guys, you also have less drafters taking more than one quarterback because yeah. they're taking advantage of that. And what we're seeing, and part of the reason why I like late round quarterback, one, I, I'm just admittedly might be too high on Lance and Fields and the rushing yeah. upside, just looking historically at rookie quarterbacks. I feel like these guys are going to hit the field sooner rather than later. And they, they just have really high end upside. I think Fields was underdrafted quite a bit in the NFL draft. And I think Lance is just walking into a spot where, you know, the San Francisco 49ers could lead the league in scoring potentially. Mm -hmm. And if that happens and he's running, it's going to be a really good year. And then Lawrence, you know, you're starting from day one and he runs more than I think people realize. Um, So, but back to my point, you can get one of those guys in like the early teens rounds at this point. And because so many people are only drafting one quarterback now, basically anyone who took a top seven-ish quarterback. Guys like Tua, Baker, who I like, these guys are free right now on FFPC. You know, right. there's there's funny, there's a delineation actually after the top 17 quarterbacks, every quarterback after the top 17 quarterbacks on FFPC Football Guys Championship is an ADP of 210 or later. So essentially... That's where the demarcation line is. Everyone's free after yeah. that. So it is an interesting dynamic. The risk that you noted, JJ, even if streaming's a bit more viable than last year, is if I don't hit on, right. if, I, if I take Lance around 13 and I'm wrong, I don't have that backstop to stream as much. The backstop is I took Baker or Tua and they were like fine late. They might have a touch of upside. They certainly don't have QB one level upside. They've got more like, hey, this this guy could be a low end QB one, like a QB ten or a QB twelve. So that's that's the dynamic we're looking at this year. Yeah, and I, I would also say to that, I would be way more comfortable going more all in on that strategy. Like I, I think I think you can sort of straddle and, and do both strategies this season. Where uh, in some leagues, you know, you're going after Justin Fields and Trey Lance, which we both are are high on uh, for this. You know, I'm high on the same for the same reasons that you just mentioned. Um, and, you know, people are going to say, well, rookie quarterbacks don't perform well in fantasy football. And it's like, OK, well, how many rookie quarterbacks have had the the rushing backbone that Trey Lance has or have run a four, 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 40? I don't care if it was at his pro day. You know, Justin Fields is a very dynamic runner as well. And so, you know, I, I, I just don't think that that history really matters with these quarterbacks from a fantasy standpoint. Um, and, and I would say this, though, too, is that. Uh, you know, I, I'm going back and forth on saying, you know, on, on drafting these guys late and, and approaching my teams that way, or just going with, you know, that, that, uh, tier with, with Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, et cetera. Um, and the main reason for that is 
if that tier, like if all of those early round quarterbacks were being drafted, even just a round earlier, it would be a lot easier to just say, I'm going late round quarterback because that's how, that's how significant the opportunity cost changes uh, early, early in your drafts uh, just from, from one round to the next. But then once you hit that five, six range really doesn't matter nearly as much. Not only that, but you know, by that time, you've generally got your running backs and your wide receivers, or at least you have a, uh, you know, uh, an anchor of running back and a lot of wide receivers or a tight end, and you feel good about your roster. So you don't have to, you know, the opportunity cost just isn't as significant there, which is another reason why, you know, it's fine. If you want to go with one of those middle round quarterbacks, it's not one of those situations where historically, you know, those guys have just not been very good bets. It's just that, you know, the market has adjusted, but it hasn't over adjusted like we saw, you know, a decade ago. Yeah, and this is where we have to be dynamic when we're drafting and react to what's happening. You know, I've seen drafts where that cluster of quarterbacks goes early five. And in that Mm -hmm. case, you know, maybe you pass, you pivot to the late round quarterback strategy. There's going to be other times where Lamar Jackson's available in round six. I did a football guys championship slow draft with Sam Hoppin of 444.com. And we took Dak at the end of round five as part of a stack. Pretty pumped with it. Then though, Justin Fields was lingering at the end of round 15. And this is where like, I'm like, man, as much as I love Dak, I could yeah. take Fields here and Baker here. And with the kicker and defense, this is essentially the last two rounds of skill player drafts. And I could have had, you know, I'm, I'm a big zero RB drafter. So I love having elite wide receivers and depth there too. So that, you know, no matter what happens over the course of the season, I'm, entering a wide receiver with a legitimate ceiling into my starting lineup. So, you know, is the, is having Dak over fields at like a huge discrepancy in draft? Is that worth me having passed up on, you know, a Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay type that I could just add to my roster and have the same rest of my wide receiver. So it's definitely difficult to, to weigh all those options. And you also don't know what's going to happen. You know, Justin Fields' ADP is before round 15. I didn't know he was going to last until yeah, round right. 15. Right. So it does seem like one of those guys generally gets squeezed, though. Again, going back to my point about uh, the quarterbacks that, you know, like there's like 17 to 18 quarterbacks. I will say, I think the guys we want to avoid, like in this draft, Kirk Cousins goes in round 13, you know? Yeah. Derek, like those guys, I just don't think there's any difference between those pocket passer types and guys that you're getting literally for free at the end of the draft. So those, right. those are the types of guys I think you're probably avoiding no matter what strategy you're doing. Yeah. And I would say this though, too, uh, you know, we, we mentioned the, the strong correlation and how predictive quarterbacks were last season. Let's not overstate that. You know, there still is like this season, I guarantee you there will be a late round quarterback a uh, pocket passer who ends up having a seven and a half percent, eight percent touchdown rate, uh, who far exceeds expectation and uh, is a plug and play guy, just because that's the way the season ends up going. Who that guy is, I don't know. That's the whole point of this, right? We're trying to uh, increase our probability of hitting on these guys uh, and, and and looking at at what the chances of these guys hitting are. And from a from an odds perspective, we're we're approaching it from the standpoint of we want to get mobile quarterbacks because their chance of hitting is just increased, right? It doesn't mean though that, you know, if you're getting, this is the thing too, is that if you're getting a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance late, um, you know, you can still pair them with one of those like throwaway QB twos. And number one, you should not assume that there's zero chance that one of those QB twos ends up hitting. Who's not as mobile, right? Like they can still hit. It's just that to your point, the difference between a Derek Carr 
or a Kirk Cousins to some of those other players, uh, just go with the other players and still pair them with the high upside of Fields and Lance. And, and then you should still be okay enough with the chance that maybe one of those QB two hits, but at the same time, those QB twos can still have spiked weeks. Let's not, let's not just say that like it's impossible for them to put up a 25 point performance. It can still happen. Of course, we're just playing probability here. And, and that's why we're so focused and honed in on those rushing quarterbacks. Yeah. And to this point, I've made it sound maybe a little bit more binary than it is where it's like, you know, round six quarterbacks, second tier guys or yeah. Lance and fields in the mid teens. But if you can get Jalen hurts in round nine to 10, if you can get Joe Burrow there too, you know, I've written about the Cincinnati Bengals as a passing stack that I'm interested in this year, where I think they're going to be like the Dallas Cowboys to an extent. Yeah. Uh, like there's high end upside from those guys. So we actually have a lot of different levels this year where you can, you can play it based on how the draft goes and take a little bit more of a value based approach than maybe in the past where it's been a bit more defined ahead of time that yeah. there's no reason to spend, you know, a quarterback pick until X round. And we've got three pockets of the draft I'm looking at where it's pretty viable to take your QB one, just based on how your team is working on and what the, you know, the rest of the draft is doing. Yeah. It's, it's really been a, it's similar at tight end too, where more historically it's been a go big or go home approach, right? And you could do that with the quarterback position. It made way more sense to do it at the tight end position, but you know, you could have hypothetically done that at the quarterback position. Like I always told people back in like, you know, 2016, 2015, whatever, uh, when they would ask me about uh, early round quarterbacks and late round quarterbacks, it made way more sense to get an early round quarterback back then than a middle round quarterback, just because of the way that that drafts unfolded and looked. That's not really the case now. To your point, you you have a lot of like tiers. And even at the tight end position, another onesie position, you're seeing the same thing where you have these clusters where it makes a lot more sense to go after those guys because the market is becoming more efficient. That's the key. Uh, and so with the quarterback position, uh, you know, you have your elites, you have those guys that that have obvious QB one upside, but I think there's still guys that have that QB one upside without uh, the, the, as strong of probability, whether it's Burrow, like you talked about, or I, you know, Jalen Hurts or Ryan Tannehill is another one who I'm really high on this year. Um, you know, guys that are going at, like significantly later than, than some of those other quarterbacks from an ADP standpoint, um, and that you can still approach and go after. So it's not so much like it's been historically where it's a go big or go home uh, approach. You can really have a little bit more nuance to it. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Tannehill because I'd probably lump him into those you know, that tier of like teens rounds that guys that you could probably, like he slips into the teens rounds at a time, you know, where you yeah. can get him. Uh, that's someone ETR has ranked above head of ADP, you know, with the addition of Julio Jones. What if they throw more, you know, they yeah. barely throw it all and he's been super efficient. You know, what if Derrick yes. Henry gets hurt and they throw a ton, you know, there's, a, and he does have some rushing upside, especially by the goal line. They use him as, yep. as a rusher. And even like, Matt Ryan at the very back end is just a team that could throw a whole bunch. You know, they're going right. to have a bad defense. They play a ton of dome games, uh, historically good quarterbacks. There are a few others mixed in there uh, that have maybe a little bit more upside than we're giving credit for JJ. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Again, you can follow JJ at late round QB. You can also read his stuff on numberfire.com. Make sure you check out his article. Fantasy football is the late round quarterback strategy dead. Also, you can listen to his late round QB podcast. He just had a really good episode about the profiles of running back breakouts. And he's you know kind of found a segment of the population that has a, a surprising hit rate in terms of 
you know, the ability to break out and score way more points than ADP would suggest, not just beating ADP by a little bit. So make sure you check that out. You can read all my stuff on Established to Run and please rate, review the Established Yet podcast on iTunes. That helps us quite a bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back early next week with another edition of the Establish the Edge projection special with Ben Gretsch.